As Houthi rebels in the U.S. continue to fire missiles at each other, some lawmakers are asking, just exactly what can a president legally do without congressional approval? Produced by Defense News and Military Times, this is the Early Bird Brief. Each morning we bring you the defense and national security news of the day. The administration has argued that the Biden administration's legal authorities derive from his Article 2 authorities under the Constitution as commander-in-chief to defend, you know, U.S. citizens, personnel, assets. And single-parent veterans struggle to access benefits once they get out of the military. What does it all mean for our defense and security? You'll find out. I'm your host, Simone Perez. Today is Thursday, January 25th, 2024. Our first story today isn't always the most talked about national security issue, but it may just be one of the most important. That issue is the subject of war powers, and more specifically, how and when a president can conduct military operations around the world. Well, recent preemptive U.S. airstrikes against Houthi rebels in Yemen, approved by President Joe Biden, have led some lawmakers to question whether they're exactly legal. For more on this, Capitol Hill reporter Bryant Harris joins us from the Hill. So, Bryant, four senators sent a letter to President Biden airing some concerns about how these airstrikes line up within the confines of presidential war powers. What were some of their concerns? Well, it's no secret that the Biden administration has been shooting down Houthi attacks on commercial ships and even submissiles aimed at Israel since October or November. Obviously, at the beginning of the month on January 11th, the Biden administration coordinated large number of retaliatory strikes to try to deter and degrade Houthi capabilities. That hasn't stopped the Houthi attacks. And now, of course, since then, you've had, I think, about seven uh, additional strikes on the Houthis in Yemen. So what these senators, led by Senator Tim Kaine, are saying, you know, there are these Reports coming out now that the Biden administration is planning what could potentially be a sustained months-long campaign against the Houthis with these tit-for-tat strikes. And the senators led by Tim Kaine are saying, uh, you know, at a certain point, you need to come to Congress for a congressional authorization, assuming how long this goes on. The letter is mostly focused on war powers, authorities. They do question the strategy a little bit. They're mainly pointing out that Congress has not passed an authorization. You know, the administration has argued that the Biden administration's legal authorities derive from his Article 2 authorities under the Constitution as commander-in-chief to defend, you know, U.S. citizens, personnel, assets. You know, they point out that this could very well be a valid argument, but most of these ships that were striking back and doing these retaliatory strikes to defend are not U.S. ships. So that's basically what they're saying, and they're pushing for more clarity and answers on the legal authorities. And that's not to say that they don't fully, that they don't totally disagree with the strikes. They're just saying, you know, we want like a smart strategy one and two, you need to come to Congress if this is going to continue. But this isn't the first time in recent years, right, that lawmakers have questioned or even taken action to rein in presidential war powers. Didn't one of the most recent examples even deal with the country of Yemen, specifically Houthi rebels? 
Yep, that's a very good point. A lot of the same lawmakers who were involved with pushing back on the Trump administration's activities regarding the Houthis in Yemen are currently the ones who are um, trying to use war powers authorities to hold President Biden to account. So two of the signatories on the letter in the Senate, um, Senators Mike Lee and Chris Murphy, uh, kind of spearheaded war powers resolutions under the Trump administration that um, you would have directed him to end U.S. support for the Saudi-led coalition in Yemen because they argued it amounted to hostilities and Congress had never authorized it. And in the House, you had their House counterparts who sponsored this resolution, Congressman uh, Rokana, Democrat, and um, Congressman Thomas Macy, a Republican, make the same point regarding Biden's recent strikes in Yemen. You know, so as a matter of legal authorities, they're trying to be consistent here. There is obviously a bit of a difference here, both legally and in terms of the scope of the campaign. The under the Trump administration, they were providing logistics, um, aerial refueling, that kind of support for the Saudi coalition. But, you know, that was a massive bombing campaign with, with thousands upon thousands of civilian casualties. It, the, whereas the Biden administration strike have strikes have been more targeted, um, no reports of civilian casualties or anything like that. But as a legal matter under the War Powers Act, this is more direct involvement. So, you know, the letter is kind of their first, I guess you might want to look at it as the first warning salvo to the Biden administration saying you can't just ignore Congress's role in war powers authorities. Thanks, Brian. U.S. Central Command reported Wednesday that the U.S. Navy shot down two ballistic missiles in the Gulf of Aden that were shot by Houthi rebels. Another important story today, a new report found that some single parents who are also veterans struggle to access benefits once they've left the service. Capitol Hill Bureau Chief Leo Shane III joins us to discuss the issue. So Leo, what did this report by the RAND Corporation say were some of these roadblocks or pitfalls single parent vets run into when trying to get benefits? Yeah, this is a pretty interesting RAND study looking at single parent veterans um, and and some of the struggles they're they're dealing with. The uh, number of single parents among the veterans community is actually a little bit lower than uh, the the American public. Um, and single parent vets are doing pretty well. They make a little bit more money. They have higher education. Um, but what the RAND researchers found is those individuals are really struggling to get some of the veterans benefits that two parent couples uh, who are veterans get. Um, these are things like education benefits, health care benefits, even just general child care support and things like that. These these individuals struggle to get them, and it, it makes sense why. There's a lot of competing interests. There's not as much time to do research on it, and so they they say small changes, things that are that are good transition assistance programs, might be able to help these folks thrive a little bit more if VA just implements you know more targeted resources towards them. But this benefits issue isn't limited to single parents, right? You've reported previously that this is a pretty extensive problem, at least when veterans are asked. Yeah, I mean, this really isn't that big of a surprise when you look at veterans' benefits in general. Um, Veterans are pretty happy with the benefits that they can get to, but access always seems to be the the frustration point for veterans. At least when we're talking to them uh, here at Military Times, you know, we hear a lot of, I can't get my disability benefits. I don't know how to enroll over here. Um, I wasn't aware 
aware of, of these education benefits. So it's not that the resources aren't there a lot of the time. The problem is educating veterans on how to get them. And a lot of that stems right from the transition out of the military. A lot of the transition programs they have are sort of rushed and, and just designed to, to be an out-processing, uh, you know, quick get-you-out-the-door sort of thing. But we've heard from advocates for years that there needs to be more education on what benefits are available, what you can do to go to school, how you can get a better job, and what happens if you have medical issues? What do you wonder if you need health care? So a, a overhaul of this this whole process has been proposed for years for advocates, but doesn't seem to materialize. But we're seeing again here where small improvements to it may have big benefits for veterans. Also on your radar for today, service members seeking fertility treatments are about to have a lot more options. The Defense Department has decided to lift previous regulations that only covered in vitro fertilization for legally married couples using their own sperm and eggs. A new policy is due out next month that will allow single troops, unmarried couples, and any service members using donor sperm or eggs to have their treatment covered, according to a release from Yale Law School. The law school filed a suit in August on behalf of the New York-based National Organization for Women. Under the revised policy, service members in any relationship status can have IVF covered. They can also use donor sperm or eggs. Previously, TRICARE would only cover IVF if the couple seeking treatments provided their own cells, excluding anyone who cannot produce viable sperm or eggs. The Department of Veterans Affairs, who was also named in the suit, has agreed to review its own policies. The current policy only covers heterosexual married couples for such treatment. The ongoing lawsuit also takes aim at a policy dictating that troops and veterans seeking fertility treatments can only have them covered if their infertility is considered service-linked. Examples include certain chemical exposures or injuries to reproductive organs. And now here's some other stories that we're hearing chirps about. A Russian military transport plane crashed yesterday in a border region near Ukraine. Moscow accused Kiev of shooting it down, saying all 74 people on board were killed. That includes, that includes 65 Ukrainian prisoners of war headed for a swap. Russia offered no evidence, and Ukraine did not immediately confirm or deny the accusation. The UK government said yesterday it has no plans to introduce conscription. That's after the head of the British Army said a, quote, citizen army would be needed to fight a future war with a country like Russia. And the United Nations top court will issue a decision tomorrow on South Africa's request for interim orders in a genocide case against Israel. That includes ordering Israel to end its siege on Gaza. The decision is a preliminary stage of a case filed by South Africa at the International Court of Justice. Israel strongly rejects the accusation of genocide and has asked the court to throw out the case. And on this day in history, in 1995, the Norwegian rocket incident, or the Black Brant Scare, occurred. A Russian crew spotted a Norwegian-U.S. joint research rocket, thinking it was a potential nuclear attack on Russia. The decision to launch a retaliatory nuclear strike was averted. That's it for us this morning. To get more top stories and breaking news, go to defensenews.com slash EBB to subscribe to the Early Bird Brief newsletter. Please give us a like, rating, and a comment wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on social media at defense underscore news and at military times. The Early Bird Brief is hosted and produced by me, Zimone Z. Perez. Today's episode featured stories by Brian Harris, Diana Stancy, Leo Shane III, and Megan Myers. Our editor-in-chief is Mike Gruse. Have a great day.